Okay. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. Thank you all for coming. Uh, we're here at Wei Mountain Temple uh, doing our morning, Saturday morning uh, chant class. Uh, um, Let's see. Uh, does anyone has any have any questions? No questions. Okay, Nacho at DTT. Feel free to ask questions uh, because questions uh, will arise naturally when you meditate. And if you have the, your questions answered, it's very helpful for your practice. It helps you improve a lot faster. Yes, go ahead, Nacho. Hello, Master. Thank you. Um, I have one question. So when we try to contemplate our afflictions, do we have to be like constantly asking ourselves why I'm afflicted or why am I feeling like this? Or just once and then recite a Buddha's name? Okay, good question. Hmm, never happened to me. I'm never afflicted. What do you do when you're afflicted? That's a very good question. Yes? What do you do? Help him out. Nacho is leaving for Ireland very soon, so he'll have even more afflictions. <laughs> yeah? Anyone, what do you do? When you contemplate your afflictions, you ask yourself, why am I afflicted? It's such a great question. From pale-faced person. <laughs> Anyone? Huh? It's a challenge to you. If he can ask such a good question, then he can uh, he has potential. Very good. Yeah? Anyone? How would you answer that? Such a such a technical question. It shows that you understand, John. Yes, three. You have the answer for Nacho here from Way Mountain Temple. Thank, thank you, Master. Uh, buenos dias, Nacho. Como estas? Yeah, he speaks Korean. He speaks some Spanish as well. Yeah, very cosmopolitan. <laughs> I heard he also speaks Mickey Mouse. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Master. I'm going to try and answer this question in Hollywood uh, language. Um, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, shared his experiences uh, dealing with his afflictions um, based on advice that Mel Gibson gave him. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's helped me lately. Nacho... Uh, Mel Gibson told Robert Downey Jr., you need to learn to hug your cactus with all its spikes and all the pain. And afflictions to me can feel like a cactus. 
spiky and sharp and, and definitely not comfortable. So uh, when I'm contemplating them lately, I've, I've thought about hugging a cactus. Okay, anyone has any cactus here? Do we have any cactus here? No? I want, I want Peter to demonstrate how he hugs cactuses. It sounds good, but I'd like to know how it's done. Anyone? Come on, go get some cactus. I saw some outside. <laughs> yeah? So, um, the way I hug quickly, a cactus... Quickly, quickly, quickly. <laughs> I mean... Before he changes his mind. <laughs> Full transparency, this is a metaphor. <laughs> but, uh, but afflictions don't feel like a metaphor, you know? Afflictions. There you go. Okay. We found one. Thank you. Oh, bring no. it. Bring it up. Bring it up, Tim. Right here. Okay. Let's first do two phases. Number one, use your hand to hug like cactus. Number two, use your face to hug it. Oh, I'm getting sweaty. Okay. Which is usually what happens when I contemplate my afflictions too. Uh, okay. Uh, cactus. Okay, zoom in. There you go. The brave wife, pale face, soul. <laughs> See? See? Precisely my point. Okay. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is the process. <laughs> People are very good with talking. Chan is not about talking. When you're afflicted, how does talking help? At all. Not much. Thank you. Okay, that's my point. My point is that, is that it's along the line of natural ask, asked. When you're afflicted, when he's afflicted and he's contemplating his affliction, he says, I'm really afflicted. Then what is he supposed to do? Is he supposed to look at the cactus? Is he supposed to look at ask why? Oh, yeah, so only, only to follow through. Um, so hugging a cactus hurts, right? Uh, contemplating our afflictions hurts. So learning not to stop, to accept that pain and that it's okay, is, uh, that's the cultivation part. Okay, but he's asking... Why are we hugging our cactus? Mm. Uh, to learn. Is he supposed to ask? When, the, when you hug the cactus, it hurts. I say, his natural question would be, why am I doing this? I know it never happens to you, Peter, because <laughs> it doesn't bother you. But <laughs> <laughs> that's why I was hoping you would demonstrate to really prove that it doesn't bother you at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this cactus doesn't bother me whatsoever. It's very small, and uh, it's kind of soft, uh, honestly. So hugging this cactus, I can put my arms around it. And, can, we, uh, can we do better? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay. Why am I doing this? 
and why have I done this in the past, and how has it gotten better? Um, when I can when I can contemplate my afflictions and not immediately stop, then I'm able to not be bothered by them as much. That's the shortest answer I can give. Okay, so clearly he hasn't hugged his cactus that often. Okay, that's why his question lacks in details. Okay, if you hug your cactus often, then you know how difficult it is and, and uh, the challenges of hugging something that, 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 that is, uh, is uh, rather painful. Yes? Okay. The, my point being that unless you do it, you will not know the details on how it really works or whether it works at all. Okay? So that's why natural question still remains unanswered. He says, am I supposed to ask myself why? Okay? And how and so forth? Okay? Very good. Yes? Thank you, Master. We have a an answer from YouTube. And I would like to express my sincere gratitude for our YouTube audience joining us this morning. Okay. Uh, Diego Alfonso answers. <laughs> Amitofo Master, when I noticed I'm afflicted, I first say, why am I feeling like this? And immediately after, I start reciting the Buddha's name until the affliction is gone. Thank you, Master. Very good. Let me relate to you, you know, what I was taught by someone who practiced successfully the Huato. He became enlightened, so he taught me. So I asked him, how do you get there? I'm very blunt about these things. And he said, oh, good, 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 good. There's something that I can't tell you. It's okay. Big deal. Uh, I don't want to know anyway. But so, so I knew this guy is, was enlightened and he practiced through the Huato. So, so I asked him, I asked him, so what do you do now? Okay, now this is beyond Nachos and Peter's uh, uh, range where this guy's actually enlightened. Okay, uh, they have uh, quite a ways to go, uh, let's face it. Mm. So, 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 I, so he said, well, I just live my life normally. So I said, okay, yeah. but I can give you a hint, a tip. I said, okay, please give me a tip, teach me. I never practiced Huato, and I admit, you know, I, I, love, I love to understand what you got out of this beautiful practice, this, this highly revered practice by the Chinese. And so he said, when you're angry. I said, why do you talk to me? Why are you talking to me like that? So he, said, he said, never mind. When you're angry, ask yourself, when I am angry, I ask myself, who's angry? That's how he practiced his huato. Okay, you don't understand. But I heard her say, wow, how beautiful. Every single thing you learn here in Chan is meant for you to utilize it on your daily life.
whether it's an affliction, whether it's pain, whether it's an irritation, okay, uh, and so forth. Uh, you learning how to deal with all these things that happen to you in your daily lives. Is it clear? So the more skilled you are, Chan, the better you are at handling your daily life's issues, whether it's physical. Okay, when you practice Chan, for example, and the, the, the arm hurts, what do you do? You go like this? No. You do nothing. Because when you go like this, it gives you relief. When you stretch, it gives you relief. However, it's not ideal way of doing it. You do nothing, and because you do nothing, your chi will naturally accumulate and grow stronger and will free the blockages in your arm. That's why in Chan practice, you endure it. You don't do anything. If it really still bothers you after you sit, you can come and ask us. We can give you some free oil that will help that problem a lot quicker than on your own. Okay? But the point here is that you do nothing. You don't move. Do we understand each other? Very good. Okay? It's along the same principles that Nacho asked. If you're afflicted and you contemplate your affliction, that's very good. You're afflicted. If you can meditate to work on your affliction, do not ignore your affliction if you can. Point number one, lesson number one. Is that clear? Do not ignore your afflictions. You ignore afflictions, it builds up physically in your body. Okay? Number two. Meditate, you know, you, you don't ignore your affliction, meditate to resolve your affliction or lessen your afflictions. Okay, point number two. Point number three, that's what Nacho asked. What am I supposed to do when you meditate? Do I ask myself why I'm afflicted? And if... The answer is some of you who subscribe to, like the guy who taught me in the hotel, who says, just ask yourself, who's afflicted? Then I would advise you not to do that. Let the hotel people do it their hotel way. We don't do it. What do we do? We don't ask why I'm afflicted. That's a very key thing. If you're afflicted, you take a cactus tree, a cactus thing, and you rub it against your face, okay, then you are creating karmas, aren't you? If you're afflicted, you say, who's afflicted? Aren't you creating karmas too? If you're afflicted and you ask yourself, why am I afflicted? Aren't you creating more karmas on top of your afflictions? 
Yes, you are. You're creating mind karmas, aren't you? So that's why the guy who taught me the Huato, his level is not that high yet. That's why he taught me the wrong things. Okay? The person who taught you about the cactus thing, okay, should stay in Hollywood. <laughs> Got that? Okay. So what do we do? When you're afflicted, you look at your affliction and say, I am angry. I am angry. And don't even, bo- either, don't even bother asking, why am I angry? Just says, acknowledge you are angry. That's all you do. Look at your anger. Say, I'm angry. Look at your anger. And look at your anger. That's all you do. Is that clear? Don't ask yourself why. Because what am I teaching you? I'm teaching you to become single-minded with your own affliction. The only thing in your mind then is just your affliction. I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm angry. That's called single-mindedness that we try to get to. Okay? Stop erring into, wandering into why am I afflicted? How did this happen? Am I a good person? Or am I a bad person? Huh? Bow wow. Are you a good boy? Are you a bad boy? <laughs> see? You know, a bad boy. See? See, you have a conversation with yourself. That's what happens when you ask questions. Is it clear? Ah, thank you. (laughs) You got that? See? So that's why don't even ask yourself, why am I afflicted? You just say, I am afflicted. Just look at your affliction. Look at your anger. That's all you do. Look at your greed. I want to have beer. Anyone? Hot day like this this morning? May all come? Huh? Uh, so you only look at your affliction and how does it help is the next question isn't that right Mark Nacho if all you do is look at your affliction I'm angry, I'm angry, I'm angry how does it help if you refrain yourself from asking why from thinking about it from justifying yourself he said, because when you start asking why the next thing you're going to say is I'm justifying being angry because she is so mean to me and now you turn your anger into someone else you see that it grows is it clear so he says look at your anger that's all you do you have the temptation. I'm, I'm angry because of her. I'm angry because of him. I'm angry because people are unfair to me. I'm angry because master is the meanest guy on earth. And you're right. It doesn't not help your anger, even if you're right. It only makes you more angry, doesn't it? Okay? So that's why when you're afflicted, you only look at your affliction and look at your affliction. That's all you do. 
Why am I so upset at my wife? And that's all you do. I'm upset at my wife. I'm upset at my wife. Don't ask why. I'm upset at my husband. I'm upset at him. That's all you do. And if you do that, you become single-minded, you resist the temptation to, to go into why, 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 okay, and how, 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 and when, 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 and all the various natural thoughts will cross your mind, okay, when you're afflicted. You resist all those. You just say, I'm afflicted, I'm afflicted, I'm afflicted, I am angry, I am angry, okay? If you do that, the answer naturally comes without thinking. You know. You say, ah. The thought will come. And you say, ah. It's because I hate it when my wife yells at me. I hate it when my wife criticizes me. Especially in public. It comes to you naturally without thinking. That's what you want. Not from thinking, but it comes to you naturally, without thinking. Does it help? This is our Wei Yan Chan style of meditation. Okay? Great question. Anyone else has any questions or comments? Okay. Yes, three. Thank you, Master. Um, I know across the country uh, it's, getting a lot, it's getting really hot. And, uh, you know, here in Southern California, I'm, I'm seeing people act differently in the heat. You know, people are getting really sick and, and dying in some cases, extreme cases, but generally I'm seeing people very agitated by the heat and I'm wondering if there's uh, anything I can do for myself to help me cool off when I'm feeling afflicted by the heat. Okay, when you're afflicted by the heat and you cannot sit there and look at your affliction, what do you do? I found one way. I'd like to share with you. I take a shower. <laughs> I jump into the swimming pool. Yes, in the back. Master, what can we do when we at night? We got mosquito bite. Mosquito bite? Yeah. I swat at the mosquito. <laughs> how dare you? I'm meditating. Don't you know how important this is for humanity? <laughs> if you can, endure it. And you know what? Mosquitoes cannot suck all your blood out. That's the great news. I used to enjoy it. The mosquito was sucking my blood. I watch it, see how his body swells up. It takes on a pink color, and then orange color, and then red color. And then, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. 
And I say, die, you mosquito. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Let's learn from the sages instead of me, you know, spilling my nonsense to you. Okay? Let's go to the song enlightenment and speak a little bit about words of wisdom. Hmm? Okay. And uh, this... Uh, are we at the, this, uh, this uh, slide? I thought, I thought it was 68. Is it 69? Okay, anyway. The one I saw was this one here. Uh, maybe last week or so. Uh, uh, on slide, we are on slide 68. Uh, and I wanted, I didn't want to skip this because I want to share with you an insight this morning as I was meditating. Is that okay, or would you rather go to 69? Huh? Okay. Hmm. He says here, uh, the master Yung Jia, who is uh, uh, an enlightened Chan master uh, uh, at the, uh, uh, the times of the Sixth Bay Chart, he went to see the six-page chart to get certification. The six-page chart certified him and told him to stick around. And so he stayed for one night and came back to his village and started teaching Chan. And he wrote this song on enlightenment to commemorate his enlightenment and what he understood from his enlightenment. So he sees very highly revered by the Chinese because and Master Yung Cha is pretty high level enlightenment. Uh, therefore, to be able to, to hear or uh, learn about what he understands is really a treat. So the Chinese have their own uh, secret sauces, if you will. Okay? So that's why, uh, that's why it's really helpful for most of us in the West here or in the Dharma ending era to learn about this as well. He says, I, after he became enlightened, he noticed that the six, uh, the six paramitas uh, and the 10,000 practices are complete, uh, uh, are complete in the midst of his substance. And, and so what he's referring to, and this is very important, that I don't think that most Chinese teachers Notice this, okay, or would care to talk about it. Uh, I want to tell you that the in order to become enlightened, uh, your spiritual practices, whether it's Chan, whether it's Pure Land, whether it's mantras, wh whatever your practice is, whether it's bowing, whether it's, it's uh, whatever, okay, uh, all your practices are fall within the realm of the six paramitas. So far, so good. That's what it is. In Mahayana, everything we do falls within the realm of the six paramitas. That tells you, that should tell you how diverse 
our spiritual practices are, how all-encompassing our spiritual practices are. In other words, I don't care what you do, whether you do Pilates, whether you do yoga, whether you do uh, Chan, it all falls within the six parameters, if you do it right. Is that clear? Okay? And we talked about the last time about the six parameters. The six parameters, very quickly, uh, here, it's very important for you not to, to, to memorize it. First is giving. Second is morality. Number three is patience. Number four is vigor. Number five, samadhi. Number six is wisdom. Okay? Please memorize this because I assure you, all spiritual practices are included in this, involves these six aspects. Is it clear? This is Mahayana wisdom. I don't care what you do. Even if you're an externalist, you don't believe in Buddhism, whatever you do still falls within the six parameters. Because whatever you do eventually will help you go towards the enlightenment, state of enlightenment. Okay? You want, to, you want to look at it again? Please memorize this. Okay? This is a gift from Mahayana for you. I don't care what you do. Okay? You don't have to be Buddhist. You still are within this. Okay? So everything you do will lead you to unfolding your wisdom. So the more you observe, more you are consistent with the rules of six parameters, the quicker you get there. Is that clear? For example, if your wish is to be near Vishnu, okay, you practice the six parameters, okay, or parts of the six parameters, you get there a lot faster than otherwise. You want to be near your God, same thing. You practice six parameters or parts of six parameters, you get to the heavens that quickly and probably will become the God, your God's God, potentially. Okay? That's a, that's a Buddhist secret, by the way. Okay, now, uh, however, for the Buddhists, who have a lot of blessings, we teach them how to practice the six parameters and to success, to completion. All right? And that's will bring you to a state called enlightenment. Okay? And so, Master Yukja says, I am enlightened. Master Six patriarch, Master Huineng, certified me to be enlightened. And I come back and I meditate and I realize that the six parameters are complete within me. Is that clear? That's what he's saying. In essence, he's saying that at my current level of enlightenment, when I wrote the song Enlightenment, I realized that I perfected all the six parameters myself in my spiritual practice. I perfected what? I perfected giving, 
I perfected morality. I no longer create offenses. Okay, I'm pure. I perfected patience. Okay, no one can be as patient as I am. I can take a cactus tree and rub it in my face, and I won't even wince. Huh? Or if my wife does it to me, I patiently endure it. And my wife, my, and at the same time, my wife says, "Well, can you can you take it?" It's, what do I do? I focus on the pain in my face. That's all I do. I won't get angry at my wife. That's perfection. You got that? It's not talk. You have to do it. Just because it sounds good, whether your Hollywood friend says, you should have to embrace the cactus. The first question in my mind is, can you do it? How often can you do it? Can you take it when your wife does it to you? Okay? Huh. And you are vigorous, okay? And then you have concentration power, number five, or E. And number six, you are a great problem solver. When you have a problem in life, you have the clarity of mind to fix it. Any problems, personal, professional, you are one of the best problem solvers. Wisdom means that you are darn good problem solver. If I were a company, a corporation, I would hire you on the spot. I will pay you, make sure I pay you more than my competitors to make sure you don't ever leave me because you are the best problem solvers money can buy. Got that? Hint, hint, corporate America. Find someone who's enlightened. Pay them whatever they pay. This is why, for example, Mr. Buffet, who's enlightened, when he needs to pick out the stocks, he can do better than most people. You got that? So for him to make money, piece of cake. You're not impressed. You think that enlightenment is something that is so far-fetched, is usually useless? No, not at all. You have wisdom. Enlightenment means you have wisdom. And you apply the wisdom to fix any kind of problems you have, including picking stocks. And you will be doing much better than the unenlightened people, which means all of us. Got that? Okay. So, so he says, he came back, Master Yung Cha came back, and he says, wow, I, can hand, I perfected the six parameters. I can, I can practice giving without any hesitation. I am a pure person. I do not commit offenses. I don't harm people. I have no harming thoughts. Number three, I'm very patient. When things are difficult, I can endure it. 
Number four, ambiguous, meaning that I work and work and work. And I have so much energy that I can work and work and work. When others need to take a break, I don't. That's vigor. It has practical applications. Number five, samadhi. I can concentrate to the exclusion of everything else. I don't get distracted anymore. Number six, I have wisdom, meaning I am able to do great good for society. I'm no longer selfish. I have wisdom, meaning I do things to benefit society, not for myself alone. Is that clear? So Master Yung Chan says, wow, that's me. So far, so good? He says, my being, okay, who I am is that I have perfected. I am today here. Who I am is that I perfected these six parameters. For your information, enlightenment does not require you to perfect the six parameters. But he says, I perfected the six parameters. Okay? Meaning that his level is pretty high, and I confirm it. The Chinese didn't want to confirm it for you. You read all the explanation of the song enlightenment from the Chinese, including Master Shenhua. He did not go into this. I'm revealing for you it's true that Master Yung Chia's level, at his level, he can claim it's true that he, can, he has perfected the six parameters. So this is true. Therefore, this reaffirms for all of us that his song of enlightenment here, what he wrote here, deserves to be revered because he gives us tips into that aspects of life, of cultivation that you don't have, that you don't understand. That's why it's so revered. That's why it's so highly respected. It's, that's why it is, it is a privileged to be able to hear about it and learn about it. A superior state of enlightenment. All right? So it's worthwhile, true, that we should study this. It's not bad, okay? It's very hard for you to be able to perfect the six parameters is no easy task. It's very difficult. Six of them, not just one. You become aligned, you only need to perfect one. That's all you need to do. Perfect one. That's all you need to do. Hmm? Hmm. All right. Next. So you agree that I should reveal you this inside here because the Chinese would not, would not reveal it to their own kind? Okay. Number two, no, 69, in a dream, very clearly, there are six destinies, and he says, he says, in a dream, very clearly, meaning, 
that uh, that uh, he refers to the fact that for us unenlightened people, we are living in a dream, and in our dreams, in our daily lives, we see the six destinies. We see the six destinies of unenlightened people, meaning the hells we suffer, even right now, as we are alive, okay? We can experience the sufferings of the hells. You can try to have a glimpse of that by going into a prison. I did. I did. It is a different world, and people are going crazy there. I visited the prison. I wasn't there. I was there only for one or two hours at a time. Okay? And that's enough for me to say, I am glad I'm not here, because I don't think I can make it. Okay? It's hell. But that's nothing compared to the real hell that you will experience, that I've sent people down. Okay? They don't believe me, so I said, I tell you what, when you die, I let you go to the hell for you to find out hmm? for yourself. It's a lot worse than the prison here, but you can have a glimpse, a, a small portion of the suffering in the hells, go to the prison. Okay? So you have first destiny is prisons, okay, the, the hells. Number two, hungry ghosts. Hungry ghosts, when those you who have fasted and you are at times when you are so thirsty, the first nine days, okay, you are experiencing, you're getting a glimpse of how much suffering there is for the hungry ghost to go thirsty and hungry. First nine days, you ain't seen nothing yet in terms of hunger. When you go to 18 days and more, the hunger is horrible. Okay? Uh, then you have the animals realms, okay, where, where you basically are treated uh, with utmost disregard and despise, okay? You treat it as if you're stupid, okay? Uh, and you cannot help yourself. The three realms, the hells, hungry ghosts, animal realm, once you get in, it will take you a long, long time to get out. So typically, this is a path. You go to the hells, like I send some people to the hells, I'm proud to tell you that, to prove to them, to teach them a lesson. You think that there's no hell, I let you find out, okay? And I let their colleagues, who some of them are able to see where they're going, okay? Know for themselves, it's not something you want to mess around with, okay? So, so you have the health, which is a lot of sufferings. You have the hungry ghosts, and you have the animal realms. Here's what happens. You go to the health. You're there for a long, long time in one hell. After you're done in one hell, you go to the next hell, adjacent hell. The next one, the next one, the next one. You stay in the hell for a long, long time. 
And once you're out of the house, all these succession of hells, they are there for you, just for you. You go to the hungry ghost realm, typically. Then you experience thirst and hunger for a long, long time. Okay? And you die, you go back to be a hungry ghost realm again. You don't get out. And after you get out, after a long, long time, you get out hung, hungry ghost realm, then you go into the animal realm. Here's what happened. Animal realm. Shariputra, number one disciples among the Ahats of the Buddha. He was preparing the grounds with the biggest donor of Master of, of uh, Shakyamuni Buddha. Okay? Because he, was, uh, he gave uh, a huge piece of land for the Buddha to build a way place. And so Shariputra and him was surveying uh, the lands, measuring things and looking at topography and so forth. And Shariputra saw a lot of ants, a colony of ants, you know, the worker ants bringing back the leaves and so forth to the nest. And Shariputra looked at that and he started tearing up. Okay? So the donor, Ana, Ana, uh, uh, Anatha Pindika, whatever his name is, okay, uh, uh, ask him, why are you crying? This is, a, this is a happy moment. We're preparing to build a way place for the Buddha, the war honor one. It's a wonderful thing we're doing. Why are you sad? Shariputra says, I look at the ants and I realize there have been ants lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. They cannot get out. I, have, I feel so bad for them. That's why I teared up. Point being that once you're in the animal realm, you don't get out that easily either. Okay? So in the dreams, in the real life, right now you, you have a human body, which is one of the six realms. You think you're okay, but you don't realize after you finish with this human body, most likely, most of us will fall to the three lower realms. Most of us. No two ways about it. Right now, you're just so worried about your petty issues. I'm not feeling well. I feel so, some of you, depressed. I don't want to live. And if you kill yourself, you're going to fall into a low realm. And then you get there and say, oh my God, I was so stupid. I should not have killed myself. This is a lot worse than feeling bad for yourself. Actually, you're being tortured. In the hells, by the hell, uh, the hell uh, administrator, the administrators, okay? You're tortured and hungry ghost by your own hunger, by your own thirst. Number three, you fall in the animal realm, you're tortured by your own boss. If you're a dog, you think it's wonderful? No. Your owner forces you to eat dog food when you should be eating human steak. Okay, and so, uh, so uh, what people don't realize 
Master Master Yung Cha says that to people, to living beings, uh, our existence is but a dream. We don't realize it. In our dream, uh, we have we cycle through the six destinies: the hells, the hungry ghosts, the animal realm, the Asura realm, the living beings realm, and the gods realm. We keep on cycling through in our, in our, circ- our existence. And it's but a dream at all. We don't even know. And Master Yung Jia says, wow, living beings don't realize that they are just cycling in a dream, okay? And in that dream here, to them, that's what happens to all living beings. They revolve in the six paths of the gods, the humans, asuras, animals, ghosts, and hells. Six paths, that's what we do. We lose a body here. As I said, after we lose our human body, we fall, we cycle through again, one of these six realms. And most of us will not make it back to the human realm. Most of us. Over 90% of us will lose our human bodies. That's how scary it is. It's no joking matter, folks. He sees it. He says, wow. Everyone is living in a dream. And they're so proud of it. They cling on for dear life as if it's the most important thing. They don't realize it's but a dream. It's not real. And tell them they don't believe. However, after enlightenment, okay, uh, once you become enlightened, everything is empty. And the world you live in, the galaxy here, is empty as well. You're free. You wake up from your dream. And you are no longer bound by this world. That's what he means by there is no universe. No longer think of yourself, I am Korean. I am woman. I am LGBTQ. You're free from all those labels. I am Dharma Master. Yes, one. Master, if this is a dream, why is there suffering? Are you 11 years old? In the dream, do you have fun? In a dream, do we have fun? Do you have fun? Sure. In a dream, do you have pain? No. 
That's why it's a dream. It's not real. So, uh, for something had, to be... You never had a dream when you were sick? When you were sick? You were having a fever. The, the closest thing I've Go ever, back, go um, back, go back. Don't, don't talk, don't talk. Go back. No. At the time when you were having a fever. Okay. I wasn't dreaming, laying in my mother's no, arms. No, 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 no. Thinking I was real sick. No, 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 no. You were having a fever, and you passed out. Did you experience fun, or did you experience pain and suffering? Pain and suffering. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. In your dream, that's precisely my point. Because I know, when I was sick, I have fevers, okay? I passed out. And my dreams were not very pleasant. I was pursued by all sorts of strange animals and beings. I, I saw a big elephant coming at me, and I became smaller and smaller and smaller, and he trampled me. <laughs> or, I don't know about you, and please don't laugh at it, or I would be, see a needle, a syringe that doctors use in Vietnam. And becomes bigger and bigger. And it's poking at me. And the, the, the needle is, gets, becomes gigantic. I still remember those dreams. It's very vivid in my mind. It's never something I can ever erase from my memory. It's suffering. Yes? There's nothing compared to when my wife left me. <laughs> that is suffering. Yes, too. Master, what's, uh, what's an asura? Because you said you're an asura before. Asura is someone who likes to pick a fight. What do you want? So it's a, it's a person... That just likes to pick fights. No, it's a being. It's a class mm -hmm. of being called Asuras, but those beings can exist in the animal realm, in the human realm, in the God's realm, everywhere. Okay? There's a class uh, of beings called a path called Asura path. Okay? They're very similar to the God's path, but God's path is fun, Asura is suffering. Okay? Humans in between. Okay? And, and, uh, and so, so, however, uh, in the six paths, uh, you can separate them as six, but actually they all exist intermingled as well. So, as I said, in the human realm right now, you think you are not scared of the hells, go to the prison. That's a precursor to the suffering you see in the hells. Okay? If you don't think you're not afraid to be animal realm, okay, uh, uh, at the risk of uh, being racist, uh, become a slave. And you see what it's like to be in animal realm. All right? So you see, the suffering, even in our human realm, has the six paths. Advantages and disadvantages. All right? So, for example, rich people, they have the advantages of being, experiencing the good things in the God's realm, where they actually think they're God. 
Sound familiar? Don't know the real thing is God. I'm above the law. Huh? You see that? So that's a God complex. So the Asura realm is typified by a couple things. Women Asuras, very pretty. And they like to pick fights. They love to pick a fight with you. Okay? That's women Asuras. That's why they're so irresistible. You marry an Asura, say, oh, you're so pretty, I want to marry you. After you marry her, what happens? Just have a fight to keep her happy. Okay? Pay attention, people. Pretty girls. Okay? Before you marry them, make sure that if they're Asura and you know what to do with them, keep a fight. Pick a fight with them, that's how you keep them. Okay? So far, so good? Ha, ha, ha. You don't think it's important. You don't have these tips. You say, how come my wife always picks a fight with me? Because she loves you, idiot. If, you, if, you didn't, if she didn't pick a fight with you, she would leave you. She would find someone else to pick a fight with. Don't you get it? Okay? Uh-huh. And so, uh, so that's for women. Pretty and like to fight. And know anyone who's like that? Okay, what about men? Asura men too are different. Brady, what do you think Asura men like? Are they handsome? Master, uh, I believe as an Azura uh, is a neighbor of mine lives across the street, and he's an ogre, an ugly, uh, distempered ogre that uh, doesn't have any kind of uh, finesse or um, patience. And yeah. Total, total opposite of That's what it. we believe. That's it. Absolutely. They are ugly. Men are ugly. Contrary to women, women are pretty. Asura women are pretty. That's why they're so adorable. Men, they're so ugly. And they like to fight. Okay? And number three, they like to drink. All right. Time is up. Final questions. Yes, seven. Thank you, Master. I'll make it really quick. So when I see your dead animals on the road, um, can we recite Amitabha and how that going to help them? You recite the Buddha's name 10 times and transfer the merit and virtue reciting Buddha's name to the dead animal. That's what you do. If you do that, the dead animal will eternally be grateful to you. That's all you have to do. You are transferring the merit and virtues to an animal that would not otherwise have for a long, long, long time. And if you have some Kung Fu, you recite the Buddha's name like that, it might be able to get out of the animal realm. 
Okay? That's what we quietly do to help living beings. Okay? Uh, all right. Thank you, everyone. Let's go have lunch. <laughs> <laughs>